You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. everybody and welcome back to circling Seattle sports on converge media i'm your host as always charles hammaker here and man you know i I say it every week and i'm going to continue to say it but with the stanley cup playoffs taking place the mariners are in full swing for the mlb regular season the nfl draft is just around the corner uh the storm are amping up for their regular season as we approach camp the sounders are in their regular season the seawolves are in the thick of uh, the end of the regular season here the sea dragons have uh, gotten towards the end of the regular season, and there is a result. We're going to save it for that part of the show. The point can be made there that there's a lot going on with our Seattle sports team. So that's what we're here for. That's what's going on. Uh, we're going to start with the Seahawks. And while there hasn't necessarily been too much going on in that regard outside of the draft itself, I wanted to take a look. And obviously, all these mock drafts are going on. There's a bunch of speculation. The latest I've seen is that the team is uh, in some draft circles linked to Anthony Richardson at quarterback from the University of Florida. If that happens, I'm not entirely sure. They haven't been talked about around many other quarterbacks in this draft, just Richardson primarily. But when we look at this draft coming up on the 27th here at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern, um, with the number five overall pick, there are two different ways I want to look at this. Who I think the team end up selecting is defensive lineman Jalen Carter out of the University of Georgia. He's been tied to the Seahawks. A lot of teams are probably going to skip on him with the first few picks. There's been talks that uh, at least two or three quarterbacks will go in that top five. The Texans are sounding like a team that does not want to go with the quarterback in this year's draft. Um so it, it just kind of makes sense. You know, the Seahawks are a team that takes second chances on guys. Jalen Carter's has his off the field issues um, as of late. So it just makes the most sense for the Seahawks to get one of the most talented guys in the draft who I would like the team to select. And I wanted this to happen before any of that stuff broke was Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. The team hasn't really had a, uh, a certified edge rusher, someone who has been dangerous off the edge consistently, someone that you know can come through in those clutch moments when the team needs a big tack or a tackle for loss. They haven't had that. And to get Will Anderson Jr. Um, out of the University of Alabama would make the most sense, but he's also highly regarded uh, within those top four picks ahead of Seattle. So it would make sense if he goes ahead of the Seahawks pick. That's also why I think the team will end up with Jalen Carter. Will Anderson Jr. has been regarded as one of the most, if not the most talented players in this draft. So he might just go top, top four and not be available for Seattle with that number five overall pick. So I think the team gets Carter. I would like for them to get Anderson Jr. Um, That is, again, the NFL draft at April 27th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. We move over here to our Mariners who... Uh, played the last six games of a nine-game homestand over the past week, beginning, well, not beginning, but the middle series of those three uh, was the Milwaukee Brewers, formerly the Seattle Pilots. So three games over the Brewers, uh, the Mariners would not come out with a win in any of them. Uh, April 17th versus the Brewers, a 3-7 to loss. Our player of the game catcher, Cal Raleigh, one hit, one run, one RBI, and one walk on the day. Cal with a solo homer uh, and is able to get a walk 
as well. Uh, our photo of the game here uh, from the 17th by Live Lions. Here you can see Julio getting doused with water in the dugout there. This was before the announcement of the, well, the introduction of the Trident that the Mariners use um, after every home run. So Julio just getting doused there in that one. April 18th versus the Brewers, a 5-6 to six loss in 11 innings. Our play of the game catcher, Cal Raleigh, two hits, one run, and two RBIs um, on the day. So Cal, another back-to-back -back game, but the Mariners are unable to put that one away. Unfortunately, they had great opportunities in extra innings, but weren't able to come through. Our photo game here by Live Lions. Uh, this was the second game. No, this is the first game of two where third baseman Eugenio Suarez would be hit by a pitch, and this one went down in some pain after he was hit. Um, on the arm there who was able to finish out the game and hasn't been listed on any sort of injury report since. So thankfully, uh, Eugenio seems to be all right. Uh, April 19th versus the Brewers, a three to five loss. Our player of the game center fielder, Julio Rodriguez, Julio, two hits, one run and two RBIs. And that one, again, similar to the game on the 18th, Seattle had several opportunities to go ahead and add more runs. And even in the bottom of the ninth, had the bases loaded, but weren't able to do anything uh, in that runners in scoring position situation. Our photo of the game here by Matthew Bermudez, uh, former Mariner Jesse Winker there in the Milwaukee uniform, uh, speaking with the Mariners infield of Eugenio Suarez, Jose Caballero, J.P. Crawford, and Ty France. Uh, that would then lead over to a three-game set with another team in the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals beginning on the 21st of April. Uh, that won a 5-2 win, so Seattle snaps their three-game losing streak. Our player of the game right fielder, Teoscar Hernandez. Teo, two hits, three runs, one RBI, and Wong Wok, reaching base four times. April 22nd versus the Cardinals, a 5-4 win. Our player of the game once again, right fielder, Teoscar Hernandez. Teo, one hit, one run, two RBIs. It's two uh, a two-run homer in back-to-back -back games here. Uh, this one in the game on the 22nd was a game-tying homer. And this, our photo of the game by Matthew Bimuras captures Teo with that home run trident. And the team added the Swellment uh, to the celebration there. The Swellment, if you don't know, uh, was the Mariners' home run celebration. It was, it's a... Uh, it's like the top part of the Darth Vader helmet, uh, but painted in Mariner's colors, uh, the older Mariner's colors. And so they've combined it there, the swamit with the tridents and just an excellent photo by Matt. Um, then we go to, so the team with that win on the 22nd clinches the series, um, excuse me, clinches the series. Ooh, what is this? Uh, clinches the series during, uh, yeah, clinches the series of two to two wins out of three. April 23rd versus the Cardinals, a three to seven loss. So the Mariners weren't able to complete the sweep there. Um, our play of the game, first baseman Ty France, one hit and two RBIs on the day. Our photo of the the game uh, by Elizabeth Adams here. Again, we're going to go with the Trident and Swamit combo. Jared Kelnick had a, uh, a homer here in this game and was able to don those. So there only have been three players with the Trident so far. It's Kelnick. Teoscar and Julio. Um, it's going to be tough to transport that thing, though, because it is a trident and it is heavy. So I don't know how they're going to get through that. Uh, but it, it seems like it'll be fun to figure out. Um, we go to our player of the week here, Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, well, we'll keep it there since I did that wrong. Uh, in six games, uh, Teoscar, six hits, two homers, 13 total bases, four RBIs, and one walk. Uh, both of those homers, again, two run homers, and that one in the 22nd tied things up uh, for the Mariners ahead of their win. So Seattle completes their homestand with a five and four record over nine games. 
It's fine. I mean, getting swept by the Brewers isn't ideal at all, especially considering in those last two games that you had runners in scoring position and you likely should have won those games, uh, considering the opportunities that you've blown. Uh, Chris Flexen continues to struggle in his starts after that game against the Cubs. We went over last week where he gave up eight runs. That was just ugly. Um, the Mariners certainly could use Robbie Ray back, but that won't happen until likely mid-May. Um, there's been some defensive errors as well for the Mariners, which is uncharacteristic considering how good their defense has been over the last few years under Perry Hill. So it's it's been tough. They're continuing to figure it out. Again, it is a marathon, not a sprint with the baseball season considering it is 162 games. But when you see the mistakes that are obvious and that, you know, are, are small things that shouldn't happen, it can easily be frustrating. And I can understand that. So, um, it's tough. I mean, a five to four homestand over nine games, it's above 500. That's fine. Again, getting swept is not ideal. And then this one against the Cardinals, you know, you were in it. Chris Flexion just didn't have a really good game again. Uh, and it's tough because he's been a productive player for the Mariners, you know, has been able to take on the role going into the bullpen now with Ray injured, getting a spot in the rotation once again. So some obvious things to clean up, you know, the pitching for a good amount of it has been pretty solid. Even in the game on the 22nd, uh, our, our writer on site, Bell Garcia noted that Luis Casillo didn't have a, um, a typical game, but he's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball ERA wise, um, to begin the season. So it's easy when he has like a, an average game to be like, wow, that's different. Um, so I can certainly understand that there. Uh, we're going to move over to some injury related news here that took place over the course of the past week. Um, on the 17th infielder slash outfielder, Sam Haggerty was placed on the seven day injured list, which is retroactive to the 15th, um, of April due to a concussion on the 21st infielder slash outfielder, Dylan Moore suffered a setback. Moore said he was, wasn't quite feeling right, uh, coming out of his rehab assignment up in Everett with the Aqua Sox. It wasn't the oblique injury that he suffered recently, but more in the core muscle where he had off season surgery. Uh, Moore will be, uh, did fly to Philadelphia to meet with his surgeon and have another MRI. Uh, that same day, infielder slash outfielder Sam Haggerty was cleared from concussion protocol and he could rejoin the team uh, the next day, which he did. Relief pitcher Andres Munoz will join uh, the Rainiers down in Vegas for live batting practice when the Mariners go on the road uh, and then we'll throw a couple rehab outings with the team. Uh, later in the week, Haggerty was activated from the injured list. And as a result, infielder slash, well, infielder slash outfielder slash catcher Cooper Hummel uh, was uh, sent down to AAA Tacoma with the Rainiers. So in other team-related news, on the 17th, left-handed pitcher Marco Gonzalez re reinstated from the paternity list. He had an excellent game there when he pitched uh, against the Brewers. The team just couldn't pick up the rest of the slack behind him. Uh, on the 18th, left-handed pitcher Taylor Sacedo was recalled from AAA Tacoma, and right-handed pitcher Darren McCacken was optioned down to the Rainiers. Uh, so the Mariners sit at a 10-12 record. They are fourth in the American League West. Uh, they head out on a road trip now, having gone 5-4 uh, and four on that nine-game homestand, and they play some tough teams to begin that one. So uh, first, a three-game set with the Philadelphia Phillies. April 25th at the Phillies is a 3.40 p.m. start. Same with the 26th. Those are both 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 3:40 p.m. starts and then April 27th in the uh, getaway game is a 10:05 a.m. start April 28th versus the Toronto Blue Jays the team will head up north to Canada to play the Blue Jays for the first time this year um 
That first game on the 28th is a 4.07 p.m. start. Uh, April 29th at the Blue Jays is a 12.07 p.m. start. And then April 30th at the Blue Jays is a 10.37 a.m. start. So, uh Tough one. I mean, the Phillies obviously coming off of a World Series appearance last year. They're not entirely the same team uh, that they were. And I think they're dealing with their own struggles. And then the Blue Jays, uh, they've had a really solid start as well. And whenever the Mariners play the Blue Jays, uh, that's a solid series anytime. So we now move over to our Sounders here. The Storm, nothing really going on after the draft. Bell Garcia and I will go over the picks here uh, when we get some time. But we move over to our Sounders who are coming off of an embarrassing loss down in Portland, uh, which came after they scored the first goal of that match in the 65th minute. So you would have thought that they would win that one. But they return home. They return to Lumen Field to play Minnesota United, a team that Seattle has had extensive success over when Minnesota travels to Lumen Field. And that success would continue with a one to nothing win on April 22nd versus Minnesota United FC. Uh, the Sounders would beat the Loons there on uh, a late Albert Rusnak goal, which would be uh, the ultimate result. Um, the ultimate. It would be the game winner. Sorry, I had to get that out there. Game winner uh, scored by Rusnak, who really isn't the biggest goal scorer. He would finish. Uh, he would be our player of the match with an 8.4 match rating on one goal, three shots, and 89% passing. You know, I, I, I've talked about this before. Rusnak's been a guy who's received a lot of criticism with the Sounders. You know, he isn't the biggest goal scorer, and uh, a lot of folks don't see his sort of underlying impact on the team. But you know, ultimately he was able to get this winner here. He's got a lot of great stats when it comes to the buildup of things. Um, and it was just, it was just nice to see Albert get this result um, after sort of being quiet uh, for a good amount of the season. Uh, again, he's going to be a key contributor to this team going forward. And it's just nice to see that sort of thing where he's able to contribute, get a game winner, um, and a key victory for the Western Conference. You know, the Sounders with that loss to Portland didn't drop too much, but it's still important to note that he had this one and it, it was a good victory. So our photo of the match here by Liz Walter here with Albert um, in those, uh, the Sounders were wearing their, uh, it was Earth Day this weekend. So they're wearing their uh, Adidas Earth Day kits, um, which is all, you know, recycled material, uh, it was interesting. I mean, that's a really interesting sort of seafoam color. So I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of it, but they got the win in it. So I can't complain too much. So, I mean, this was a match Minnesota, you know, they, uh, their, their newest addition uh, had a really solid chance for them, but the Sounders didn't allow much. They would pick up another clean sheet uh, in that building. I believe it was five clean sheets to open the year at Lumen field, which is a, a club record. Um, could be, could be a little bit wrong on that. Um, but the center, no, I mean, outside of the Portland match, you could look at the entire scope of the season and be pretty, pretty happy with it. You know, that four to one loss down in Portland, that's ugly. That's, there's nothing to be proud of there. Uh, that one is just really frustrating. The loss to Cincinnati, you should have had an equalizer and you probably shouldn't have given that goal up anyway. Uh, but you played well against a Cincinnati team that's near the top of the league in standings. And then the, the draw with LAFC here in Seattle, I'm, I'm sure you could say, hey, they should have won that one considering the amount of chances they had. They were the better team in that one. I understand that. But ultimately, you split points again with a team that's very dangerous that has won MLS Cup last year and is looking to defend that title. So in the grand scheme of it, you know, looking at a what I believe it's a six, yeah, six, two and one record. I'm happy with that to begin the year. That's not exactly what I thought the Sounders would have. 
to begin this MLS regular season, but I'm more than happy with that. So not happy with the injury related news here. Uh, on the 21st, it was announced that forward Raul Roy Diaz will miss four to five weeks. The Peruvian striker will be out four to five weeks with a hamstring strain that he suffered in training earlier this week. Head coach Brian Schmetzer said that the club went through everything, even speaking with his doctors in Peru with the Peruvian national team, looking if it might have been a back issue. Uh, they said that they exhausted every sort of uh, instance that they could and they couldn't find out why this continues to occur. So tough for Raul, certainly. I mean, one of the better, one of the best players in this club's history, uh, a big asset to this team when healthy. But if you look at it, Seattle has been able to get a good amount of production from whoever they put in the nine spot on the season so far. Hebert has been a solid addition to this club. Jordan Morris has been solid when he plays in that spot as well. So it's, it's not like it's the end of the world there, but it's really tough to see Raul continue to suffer these injuries um, and just deal with that. Obviously, for the club standpoint and from Raul's standpoint, you know, I, I'm sure he doesn't like being injured. So it, that's that's a tough instance as well. The injury report versus Minnesota midfielder Josh Atencio, who was the hero a few weeks ago, was out with a right adductor strain. Goalkeeper Jacob Castro is out also with a left adductor strain. So different adductor strains there. And Raul Radiaz obviously missed that match with that right hamstring. There was nobody questionable for that match. Just those three players out. Excuse me. Um, in team-related notes, midfielder Jao Paulo was named to the MLS Team of the Match Day, which has replaced the MLS Team of the Week for his performance. I was expecting Jao Paulo to have some sort of impact in this match, and he was the highest-rated player against Minnesota, even though he didn't score a goal or record an assist in this match. He always seems to have good matches against Minnesota, and today was another instant. Well, that match was another instance of that. Uh, looking ahead for our Sounders, they sit a six-win, two-loss, one-draw record, fourth in the MLS as a whole second in the Western Conference behind just St. Louis, who they have beaten this year. Uh, looking ahead, the Sounders have two matches upcoming. Uh, one is a U.S. Open Cup match down at Starfire. It is at Starfire, so be aware of that. April 26th versus San Diego Loyals, um, 7 p.m. Pacific time. That is a U.S. Open Cup match down at Starfire Stadium. Expect to see a starting lineup of mostly Defiance players as well as some second-team Sounders players. I wouldn't expect a lot of first-team options uh, down for that one, just considering the fact that, you know, this it is U.S. Open Cup, and I'm sure the Sounders would like to win every trophy, but they don't likely want to risk a lot of health in a match like this that isn't necessarily the biggest trophy that they're going after. And then April 29th, to continue the Sounders week, they will play the second match uh, of the week, getting back into the MLS regular season on April 29th versus Real Salt Lake on the road at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Seattle doesn't always have the best record the best chances in uh on the road when they play real salt lake so hoping that this is a, a different instance of that uh as they continue the regular season again mostly outside of that portland match things have been pretty solid for seattle so we'll look they'll, they'll look to continue that when they head out on the road for their match on the 29th we move over to our kraken here who continue to be in stanley cup playoffs it is pretty wild to think about that, the last time Seattle had a team in the Stanley Cup playoffs was back in 1919. Uh, so it's been a while. It's been a long time coming. So we look at the team's past three games here of the series, the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. The first two games over in Colorado, uh, Seattle would win game one in Colorado to stun the home crowd and the Avalanche themselves with a three to one win. Our player of the game. 
Philip Grubauer in goal, 34 saves, a 971 save percentage, and 2.63 goals saved above expected. If you don't want know what that means, that means that basically Colorado should have had two more goals than they ended up uh, resulting in, but Grubauer played well enough to stop that. Uh, so Seattle would take a 1-0 series lead in that one. That was more than most people expected. A lot of the media and the general country had expected the Avalanche to roll over Seattle and do so pretty easily. Uh, but the Kraken put up a good fight here and took game one. And game two, uh, it seemed like things were going to continue to roll. They were going to continue to stun the uh, the crowd and just about everybody as the Kraken jumped out to a two to nothing lead. Um, but when unfortunately allowed the next allow the next three goals unanswered uh, and would fall to the avalanche in game two on the 20th, our played the game forward, Yanni Gord, two assists, two points, one plus minus two shots and four hits for Gord there. Uh, this one was a tough one. Again, the two to nothing lead. You kind of got to have that. Um, and Seattle just kind of ran out of gas. It's always talked about how in Colorado, when you play in Colorado uh, at elevation, that the third or the, the third or the fourth day really get to you. And it seemed like this was the case. Seattle looked like they ran out of gas uh, in the second and third period, and they just weren't able to maintain the hot start that they had to begin that game. They weren't able to continue that waves and waves of pressure sort of play that they had. Um and they ultimately fell through. I mean, this is an Avalanche team that's really good. They won the Stanley Cup last year. They're missing a few key players from that team. Uh, but ultimately, you know, this is relatively the same team uh, and, and a really solid team, too. They won the NHL um, Western Conference Central Division. Uh, they're a really solid team. And it's just... You can't expect to roll over them entirely. They're they're a damn good team, and they were expected to win the series without any trouble. So coming out of the first two games in Colorado with a one to one record is is is, I'm sure a lot of people would take that. Coming back to Seattle for game three on the 22nd, Seattle would lose that game uh, by a score of four to six. Our player of the game forward, Jaden Schwartz, two goals, two points, four shots, two hits, and two takeaways. He would score the first power play goal of the entire series that is between Seattle and Colorado uh, in the dying minutes to put his goal total to two. Our photo of the game from that one by our photographer on site, Liv Lyons. You can see here Jamie Alexi Alexiak, defenseman, uh, celebrating his goal. And it was the second goal of the game for the Kraken. Uh, the first in the second period, 19 seconds later, teammate Matty Beniers would score uh, to tie things up at three, heading into the second intermission. And it was all this hope, right? You know, you tie the game. Colorado had come out and started to look like impose their will. But the Kraken would tie things up in the second period. Going into the third intermission, though, again, the Avalanche continued to pick apart Seattle's mistakes. Um and it just resulted in Colorado, again, pulling away and continuing to show their impressive play. Their top superstars would show up in this game. Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, uh, Miko Rantanen would all have a part in this win, uh, which is something that the Kraken have been able to limit in those first two games. So uh, we'll look at it here in a second after we go over our player of the week. I went with Philip Grubauer, uh, despite the fact that the Avalanche won the last two games. And obviously you look at the six goals, it's tough. You can take one of those goals away, considering one of them was an empty netter. Uh, Grubauer, a 3.06 goals above, I mean, goals against average, which, you know, isn't necessarily too fantastical. Um, but, you know, again, we'll talk about it here. A 9.17 save percentage and 1.3 goals saved above expected. So, uh, 
We look at this series here again, as I mentioned, this is a very talented Colorado Avalanche team. They won the Stanley Cup last year. Uh, they got some really good games out of their top superstars in game three. Uh, first of all, the atmosphere in Climate Pledge Arena for game three was excellent. Basic Gordon and Bill Garcia were down there outside of the arena to capture some of that atmosphere um, ahead of game three. And I know Converge has great coverage of that uh, on the blogs. There was a YouTube video as well that's on all the platforms um, that Converge has. Um, that was excellent. That was really incredible to hear how loud that stadium got, to see all the rally towels, to hear how loud the building got after goals two and three from Alexiak and Veneers. Uh, ultimately, Seattle uh, has had their mistakes uh, exploited by the Avalanche in games two and three. They were pretty mistake-free in game one outside of the one goal that they allowed to Miko Rantanen uh, in the first period. Miko Rantanen was able to get backdoor in the crease, no coverage there, an easy tap in off the pass. Uh, games two and three, some of those cracks have been showing. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, to have this happen now, obviously, in the playoffs. I mean, but we've been talking about this throughout the course of the year. Seattle has made defensive lapses, defensive errors um, throughout the course of the season. And it's hurt them in more than one way. If they were able to be cleaner in that regard uh, and play tighter that way, then they probably have won more games and have would have challenged for the NHL's uh, Western, uh, the Pacific Division title. So it's tough. I mean, this is, again, their second year as a franchise. They'll likely need to add some defensemen, uh, some better defensemen next year. But we're still in this series. It is a one to two lead in favor of Colorado. Game four is tonight at Climate Pledge Arena. A great opportunity to go ahead and tie things up. And it's not that stressful going back on the road, considering the fact that the Kraken have proven that they can win on the road in Colorado, doing so in game one. So it's tough, but Seattle is going to need to continue to main maintain the pressure that they have. They don't necessarily have a superstar to lean on like Colorado and like most of the teams in this NHL Stanley Cup playoffs do. So they're going to need to continue that, continue to have their depth show up here. Uh, in game three, they were without uh, Morgan Geeky, uh, who... Um, Geeky and his wife welcomed their daughter, Gabby, to the world just ahead of puck drop. And Geeky is expected to play tonight. So tonight, so having his dad strength uh, show up tonight would be a great deal for Seattle. Uh, with Geeky back in the lineup as Jesper Froden had to slot in for him there. But again, Seattle, there are a few things that they need to win. Philip Grubauer has been excellent in this series, despite what the third game shows in terms of score. They're going to need to continue to have him play that way. Seattle's going to have to play tighter defensively, uh, making some mistakes there, obviously, in those last two games, you know, to allow, what is it, nine goals in the past two games? Yeah, that's really, oh, wait. Yes. Oops. Nine goals in the past two weeks. That's tough. Um, and obviously that third thing, I don't, I got to show all three. That third thing is continuing that waves of pressure, Those, that depth in the forward lines and even the defenseman pairings is why Seattle has gotten to this point in the first place. So they need that to continue in order to have that fighting chance in order to win tonight and possibly win um, in game five back in Colorado and force a game six here in Seattle. So that's all that. Um, 
will we don't have any injury news thankfully uh we look ahead to this upcoming week for the kraken as i mentioned game four is here in seattle tonight at 7 p.m pacific time against the avalanche i know there is a watch party in the armory they had this outdoor watch party outside of game three i do not believe they're having the same exact one tonight um outside of climate pledge arena i know that they advertised that there would be one um cons- uh in the armory so there is that April 26th um, is game five in Colorado. That is a 6.30 p.m. Pacific time start. If necessary, game six is here in Seattle on April 28th. That time is still to be announced uh, if it is needed. And then also, if necessary, if we need to go to a game seven, that is April 30th at the Avalanche with that time also to be announced there. So, again, Seattle is still very much in this series. They have a deficit of a game, uh, considering they're down one to two to Colorado, but they can tie things up tonight here at home with a great atmosphere. Uh, where else, you know, what else would you like to be doing? So, um, we sit her over here to our OL Reign, who continued their early regular season here, playing their first Challenge Cup match of the year um, and coming away with seven goals scored over their past two games played, which is pretty solid. So we look over here to the first match of the week, which was their first contest in the Challenge Cup. They would go down to California to play Angel City. April 19th at Angel City was a 2 to nothing win. Our player of the game for Jordan Heidema. Heidema, one goal on one shot. It was her first goal of the 2023 season, and it would put this game just out of reach for Angel City, who obviously didn't score at all. Uh, so Seattle marched into BMO Stadium and got that win there on the road. Nice to see that. They still have never lost knock on wood to either team uh neither of the expansion teams from california which is an impressive feat um and it gets them their first win of the challenge cup starts the challenge cup off right we go over here to the second game of the week april 22nd versus the chicago red stars back at lumen field the rain would win that one five to two our player of the match uh forward bethany balser balser a 9.2 match rating uh two goals one assist uh, three shots, an 85% passing percentage, and two chances created. Um, we're going to go to our photos of the match here, obviously, with the Angel City match being down on the road. We don't have any photos of that. But we had two photographers on site for the 22nd versus Chicago. This first one here, the celebration by Megan Rapino doing a little bit of a, a wiggle dance. I can't entirely explain it. I can't dance for anything. Uh, taken by Liv Lyons here, right in front of Liv. You can see the reaction from... Uh, the rest of Rapino's teammates and even just Fishlock doing, uh, paying some sort of tribute there. And then we have this other photo taken by Liz Walter um, of the initial celebration uh, where Rapino came over to the crowd and started to celebrate there. So this match, I, I mean, the match against Angel City, it was nice to see that just Fishlock scored the first goal and did a chicken dance. So that was interesting. The dances around the rain continue to just get, you know, this is something that's going to continue to develop, I'm sure. Uh, our player of the match, Bethany Balser, even had a few different ones where she came over to the bench um, and had there were props to the celebration. So that was interesting to see. Um, this past week as a whole, though, to see those seven goals take place, it, it was good to see for the rain, considering that, especially the Chicago match where you score five. Last year, they struggled with a lot of finishing opportunities to begin the year. They've done the same thing, still struggling with finishing here. Uh, but to see Balser get in there, the first goal on some great buildup play, uh, a pass into the box by Veronica Lasko, 
Uh, Jordan had a, a great dummy to pretend that she's going to either receive the ball or shoot it. Uh, leads right to Balser, who all she had to do was give it a strong kick into the goal. And then the second one, uh, I wrote about it in the article. It, it, effectively, it looked like she dunked on whoever uh, she was contesting the header for. As she, you know, the Red Stars player was in great positioning to clear that header, but Balser just got up higher uh, and just absolutely bodied her uh, for that second goal. Both of those scored within a five-minute stretch. Uh, and then Fishlock was able to score as well a brace. So it's the first time in club history that two players have had a brace. Um, overall, just really, really solid uh, for the rain there. And that's what you like to see. The two goals uh, were some defensive lapses. The first one, all the rain players had shifted towards uh, the goal line where the cross was coming to, leaving Aaron Wright of Chicago wide open with enough space to just fire away. Um, and then the second one was also a lapse in play. So, you know, the rain who are historically really solid defensively there with under Laura Harvey and, you know, with this back line with Fallon Tullis Joyce and net um, those can be corrected. But what's really, again, exciting to see is the finishing that the club has had there over these past two matches. So you're hoping that that continues going forward. Uh, the injury report against Angel City, midfielder Angelina continues to be out with a season-ending knee injury. Uh, she's working back to that. She is practicing with the team lately, which is a big step forward for her, and she was obviously going to be out for the Chicago match as well. Uh, Rose Lavelle was out with a leg injury, and defender Phoebe McLaren is out with a back injury. Questionable for that Angel City match, Bethany Balser with a hamstring, uh, Sam Hyatt with a leg injury, and Olivia Vanderyat with a hip injury. Out versus Chicago, again, Angelina. Rose Lavelle continues to be out with a leg injury. Uh, head coach Laura Harvey said they're progressing with her, did not provide a timetable for Rose, but you have to imagine that with any injury with Rose Lavelle, the Rain are going to be cautious as Lavelle will be featuring with the U.S. Women's National Team in this year's Women's World Cup uh, later on in the year. Uh, Phoebe McLaren continues to be out with a back injury. Quinn, midfielder, was out with a leg injury. Uh, head coach Laura Harvey said that that injury is a... Initially, this is going to sound bad, but when it's compared to uh, what it is, compared to what it could have been, it sounds better. Laura Harvey said that this is more of a week's issue as opposed to a long-term issue. So it sounds like uh, Quinn's injury missed out on being something more long-term and that they will be fine uh, and should be back within the next few weeks. Um, but thankfully, the rain do have some semblance, some really nice depth at the midfield position. Also, continuing with the mid uh, midfield sort of theme here, Olivia Vanderyat was out in this match with an excused absence. So uh, nothing sort of team-related news here. In league-related news, there's some stuff happening around the NWSL and as well with news about the 2027 Women's World Cup. Uh, in Kansas City, they have fired their manager, Matt Potter. He was out in Kansas City for issues around his leadership and employment responsibilities. So that's an interesting uh, and entering, entering hit. Yeah an interesting departure there and the utah royals the newest expansion team that will join the league next season uh, have named their head coach former u.s women's national team star amy rodriguez who has been a two-time nwsl champion and has won the women's world cup before becomes manager over in utah and then lastly the u.s and mexico announced a joint bid to co-host the women's world cup in 2027 seattle would likely be one of the host cities for that meaning that back-to-back -back years of the World Cup and having grass means that Lumen Field would likely move to a permanent uh, grass field. So 
Looking ahead, they ran today a three win, one loss, no draws record in the regular season, a one win record in the Challenge Cup. So they sit at a second place in the league table with nine points uh, for the regular season and first in the Western Division in the Challenge Cup with three points. Looking ahead, their next match, April 27th, 29th, pardon me, they head out on the road to play Racing Louisville with a 4.30 p.m. start. Um, I mean, there's not too much of a book on Louisville here, but you're looking, you know, I talked about it pretty extensively in the first one. I'm not too worried about the defensive side of things for the rain, considering how strong they've been, how strong that back line has been for them, uh, as well as obviously Valentino's choices, continued rise. Um, but that finishing, if they can maintain that, they're going to be a dangerous team throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, Louisville, uh, three draws on the year and a loss, nothing too exciting. Their goal differential is not too horrible. They do have a negative two goal differential. Uh, Louisville just kind of seems like they're middling for this point in time. So you'd like for the rain to go in there and handle business. So speaking about handling business, the Seawolves, we talked about them. They've lost the past two weeks to San Diego, their bitter rivals, and Utah. Both of those teams, though, really solid, uh, really solid teams. And fortunately, Seattle would play a Toronto team that struggled and go in there to Toronto and beat the Arrows and take care of business to get back in the winning track. Uh, April 23rd at the Toronto Arrows, Seattle would win that one, 36 to 27. Our player of the game, number eight, and team captain, Rickard Hatting, Hatting, 10 points scored, two tries scored, 12 tackles made, 12 balls carried, um, and 122 running meters. So Cadding continues to play exceptionally well. He has done so the last two years for the Seawolves, uh, being one of the leaders in tries scored um, in the entirety of the MLR last year. So this was a nice win to really get back on track here. Seattle, you know, I talked about it. Those are two really good teams in the Western Conference that the Seawolves uh, lost to in San Diego and in Utah. Ultimately, though, nice to see them get back to things uh, and get back on the track. You know, I talked about Hatting. He is 10th in the league in points scored at 44. He's number one, well, tied for number one in try scored at eight. Um, let's see here where else he ranks. He doesn't rank okay, anywhere else, but continuing to rank near the top there and being a, a big asset to this team in addition to being their captain. So, I mean, this was an interesting match for Seattle. You know, Toronto has struggled this season. They're one of the, uh, I don't like to say it worse. It feels mean. Uh, arguably, though, they are one of the worst teams in MLR this season. I'll look at standings there to double confirm that. Um, and this game was was a close one at the half. Toronto came out swinging. Um, oh, no, they are the worst team in MLR with a 1-8 record. So, yeah, it was it was a little concerning to see that they were struggling against this Arrows team uh, in the first half, but they were able to, in the second half, start to pull away and start to really handle things because it was in danger for a bit. Toronto did have leads throughout the first half here. So seeing that Seattle was able to put their foot down and say, hey, this is this is too much. You know, it's, it's time to stop playing with these guys and pull ahead. They were able to do so, and they were able to win this match 36-27. Uh, to 27. Because of the fact, though, that it wasn't too big of a win, they didn't get enough standing points to move up too far uh, or move up much at all in the MLR standings. They do sit at a 7-2 and two record with 34 standings points, good for fourth in the entirety of the MLR. Uh, they would be in the top two in the Eastern Conference, though. But because of the fact that San Diego and Houston continue to play, so I believe it's Houston, um, double-check that, San Diego and Houston. Yeah, San Diego and Houston continue to play so well. 
Seattle sits at third place in the Western Conference. Uh, they will get a chance to really continue this win, build a little winning streak here, and perhaps add on to their standings points when they play the 1-8 and eight Dallas Jackals at home April 28th with a 7 p.m. Pacific time start. So they come back home to Starfire Stadium, having taken care of business. You know, they play a Jackals team that has struggled through the first two seasons. They've been a franchise in MLR. Seattle scoring 70 points against the Jackals last year at home. So you'd like for them to see, you know, continue this winning ways, get back to basics, continue to do things up, but also score enough points and hold Dallas to uh, enough um, to where Seattle can add on more standings points. So... That one, 7 p.m. Pacific time, April 28th at Starfire Stadium. Um, we head over to our Sea Dragons here who I hit you here with all these tiebreakers and this needs to happen and they did you score this many points. Um, with a St. Louis Battlehawks, they did beat the Orlando Guardians, but they didn't hit certain thresholds enough to guarantee their playoff spot. So that led for Seattle the next day to only really need to win um, in order for them to advance and to secure a playoff spot. I know that everybody was all confused with all these tiebreakers, but the NFL has these tiebreakers as well. Uh, but because of the fact that the XFL only plays a 10-game season, the tiebreakers played more of a role here uh, than they would in the NFL. So April 23rd versus the Las Vegas Vipers, a 28-9 victory. Our player of the game, wide receiver Josh Gordon. Gordon, nine receptions for 115 receiving yards. Uh, ben DiNucci had a solid game. He did have three passing touchdowns, but he did throw two interceptions. Uh, so, <laughs> um, some struggles there, but Seattle would pull away a scoreless first quarter and a relatively quiet first half. Uh, Seattle would ultimately be able to pull away in the next few quarters to secure that playoff berth on home field and beat a Vegas team that has also struggled. So the team does clinch a playoff berth with their victory berth with their victory. Thanks to the fifth tiebreaker between them uh, and the battle Hawks. I know the battle Hawks fans were upset about that. Um, oh, Aaron Rodgers just got traded to the Jets. Okay, care less. Um, this was a game that, you know, obviously Seattle needed to win. There was like, oh, they needed to score this amount. There were very few instances where Seattle would miss out on a playoff berth. So effectively, all they did need to do was win and they were in. Um, and Seattle has been regarded as one of those teams to where if they get into the playoffs, they're a team to watch. You know, you look at their record, their first two losses were they've, they've lost two games. I mean, three games. Pardon me, two to DC and one to St. Louis. Those first two and the first two of the year, DC, they should have won it. They had the ball on the goal line and they fumbled uh, within the dying minute. And then against St. Louis, they gave up a last minute drive um, for them to kick a field goal. And then this game against DC, the second game uh, a few weeks ago, uh, was only by one point. They only lost by one point to the defenders who are they are going to play in this playoff matchup. So Seattle is very much in contention for this. Um, they are very much a team to watch in the playoffs, considering their offense and their defense has played really well too throughout the course of the year. They've had some struggles um, at certain points, but their defense certainly is uh, a big part in this. I know the offense has gotten most all of the attention for this Sea Dragons team, but the defense has played a really solid role as well. So we look at uh, we look ahead uh, to the XFL playoffs, where the Sea Dragons will play the DC Defenders in the North Division Championship game. If they win, they head the XFL Championship. So Seattle has a seven and three record. They sit at third in the XFL North. Well, wait, 
I don't know if that changes. Let's look. Um, regardless, they are headed to a playoff game. Um, XFL website is slow. We'll look over here to I don't know if they ultimately ended up. No, they did. Okay, so they ended up at second in the XFL North, obviously. They got the playoff berth. April 30th at the DC Defenders with a 12 p.m. Pacific time start, 3 p.m. Eastern. This game will be streamed on ESPN, so you don't have to look too far. Or if you want to watch it on ESPN Plus as well, you have that option. So again, Seattle has stacked up well against the Defenders this year. Uh, they should have a 2-0 record against them, having had the ball on the goal line in week one and only losing by a point in their second competition. So this uh, it's hard to beat a team anytime in any league uh, three times in one year, except for baseball. That's different. Um, so Seattle has a really solid shot. They're going to need a really complete game offensively, got to cut down on the turnovers, uh, and they need their defense to show out once again. So we look over here to our stars of the week, and because of the history they made and because of the impact they had in their win, you could easily put, well, this is differentiating from what I just said, but you could easily go with the Sea Dragons here, considering that they clinched the playoff berth. Uh, but I went with Bethany Balser and Jess Fishlock, both of them, again, recording braces in that win. Fishlock, um, would have expected her to get subbed off at some point, but she was able to play the majority of this match and score that brace. Uh, also, because she had the funny dances this week, so you got to factor that in as well. Bethany Balser, again, someone who has been doubted just about every stop of her playing career, you know, going to a small college in Michigan. Um, she did win the 2019 Rookie of the Year in NWSL. She was second in goals scored in all of the league in 2021. She was top 10 in the league in scoring last year, you know, and is up to a hot start this season. Uh, both of them are big reasons why this club is so successful. You know, Fishlock having won MVP a few years ago uh, of the entire league uh, in a season veteran balser in her fourth uh, year in the NWSL. So, Kind of different situations there, but both of them very, very important reasons um, why a rain club is so successful. So um, finishing up star of the week, you know, with that Sea Dragons uh, playoff berth, we'll look at the past with the 2022 to 2023 three seasons so far. The Seahawks made the playoffs. The Mariners made the playoffs. The Storm made the playoffs. Sounders won CCL, but they didn't make the playoffs. So I guess take that off. Um, the Kraken have made the playoffs. The Rain made the playoffs last year. The Seawolves made the playoffs last year. And now the Sea Dragons have made the playoffs. So that is seven of the eight, well, now nine teams if you include the cricket team. But seven of eight, if you don't include the cricket team, have made the playoffs within the last two years, last two seasons. It's pretty damn good. So with that being said, I've got to head off to game four tonight uh, for this NLA Cup playoffs with our Kraken holds, hosting the Avalanche. Till we see you next week for the end of the month of April. Well, no, by the time I see you next week, it's the beginning of May. So until I see you in the month of May, take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. 
Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.